So when you share an announcement, and then you know you have to get corrected afterwards. Um, yes, there are old coats in the hallway, and an old hat, and an old shirt, but they're in a small little section of the coat rack in the hallway. You don't have the privilege to just take any coat in the hallway because right now there's some people who are sitting here who are really fearful that someone's going to go in, take their coat and their car keys and everything else that's, you know, maybe their wallet and anything else that's in their coat right now and, and leave for the day. No, no. Um, and, and Jack will be in the hallway to make sure you know which section. Um, between the red coat and the red t-shirt and not the one over here, the one over here. Uh, anyway, yes. Um, so, yeah. So, so again, um, if somebody does take your coat, I'll say, you know, just go with the biblical response. Say, God bless you. You know, here's my tunic too. Um, you know, here's my shirt. I mean, at least take a biblical response if somebody does walk out of church today with your, with your jacket. Um, stand at the door as a greeter next Sunday. Jack is always looking for more greeters. It's a good opportunity to fill in as a greeter and scan the parking lot for the person who comes back to church in your coat. Uh, so... Um, Okay, <laughs> uh, yeah. leave the car keys behind. Yeah, leave the car keys behind. That has happened. I'm, I don't want to go off on tangents. We got a sermon here. Matthew 25, um, the parable of the ten virgins, and Matthew 25, and I'm going to be reading verses 1 through 13 from God's Word this morning. At that time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps but did not take any oil with them. The wise, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a very long time in coming and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, Here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. And then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish one said to the wise, Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. No, they replied, There may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy the oil, the bridegroom arrived. And the virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Sir, sir, they said, Open the door for us. But he replied, I tell you the truth, I don't know you. Therefore, keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we prepare our hearts before you, and we come before you humbly, seeking for you to speak to us through your word. Through these 13 verses we have in Matthew 25. For your word to be alive in our hearts. For your word to be a reminder to us of how we should live our lives for you in these days. And I thank you that we have your word. And I thank you for the opportunity we have to hear from you this morning. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So as we continue to, to go through these little bit of passages through Matthew, and today we're going to look at Matthew chapter 25, um, we're going to come across three parables in Matthew 25. Uh, full-blown warning, I'm going to deal with each of these three parables uh, over today and the next two weeks and cover these parables. But all three of these parables point to a time when there will be some level of judgment. If you read through the book Matthew 25, you'll come to some level of judgment that is in each and every one of these three stories, whether it be the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and the sheep and the goats. Um, as I shared before with you, um, all, of that, all of these parables point to a destination. They either point to heaven or they point to hell. There, there's no in-between in these parables. There's no, you know, sitting on the fence or something that is outside of heaven and hell. And, I, and I've shared before and I'm going to share again, even Matthew 25, 30, where Jesus says, And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. To me, that is a very clear message that is outside of the kingdom of God. It's not some place that is just outside of some celestial city where you pay your dues, say your prayers, you know, knock three times, and then all of a sudden the genie comes to the door and you rub the door a little bit and he says, okay, you've been outside long enough, now you can come back in. No. Outside is outside. That's eternally outside where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. It is point to either in the kingdom of God or outside of the kingdom of God. And all three of these parables take us to those, to those same destinations. And so, outside, darkness, weeping and gnashing of, gnashing of teeth, uh, not, which is nothing short of, of hell, is the complement of, of heaven. You have heaven on one side and then hell on the other. And all three of these parables, as we go through them, uh, point to those two eternal destinations. And either you're in the one kingdom and with that one destination, or you're on the other, in the other kingdom and with the other destination. Uh, we're never given a picture that's painted you're um, sitting on the fence, if you would. And there's no sitting on the fence for eternity. And so as I read through these three parables, immediately coming to my mind is Philippians 2, verses 11 and 12, where Paul says, he says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. When I read through these parables... I come to the point of saying, I have to work out my own salvation with fear and trembling. To work out my salvation with fear and trembling. When it comes to our salvation, when it comes to our Christian life, it, it's not just something that we just take in a flippant way. It's something that we must take seriously and then allow God to work in us to make us who He wants us to be. The result of our spiritual laziness, our lackadaisical attitude towards God, a lack of participation in the graces of the church, we may all too easily find ourselves on the wrong side of these parables. Isaiah 55, 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call him on him while he is near. If we don't seek the Lord while he may be found, when he can't be found, we won't find him. Matthew 6.33, Jesus says, But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto you. Again, seeking out God while he may be found, and desiring God above everything else. 
Now I'm going to go to this passage as we get into Matthew 25 verses 1 through 13 and only because this passage of scripture begs, begs for a song. It is, give me oil in my lamp. Give me oil in my lamp, keep it burning. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. Give me oil in my lamp, keep me burning, keep me burning till the break of day. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King of Kings. Sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna, sing Hosanna to the King. There's our passage of scripture to give me oil in my lamp. Oil throughout Scripture is the Holy Spirit. It's a blessing of God that was poured out. When we go to the Old Testament and we have whether it is King David being anointed by Samuel and having the oil pointed over him, whether it was Aaron, the first priest, and his sons having the oil poured over them, it was a symbol of God's blessing. I keep banging my wire this morning. God's symbol of blessing in their lives, God's symbol of the Holy Spirit being poured into their lives. The oil we see throughout Scripture is have the Holy Spirit, hold on to the Holy Spirit, ask God to to fill us with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit dwells within us, but keep filling me up, Lord, with the power of your Holy Spirit. Give me oil in my lamp, I pray. And so here we are with Matthew 25. And there's a difference that occurs in the lives of the ten virgins of the five and the other five. There's something different that is between them. And there's similarities as well that we can look at. We need to look at both of them. I want to go into one note before we get into this passage. There's something that is not in this passage. That's not there at all. There's no difference between good and bad. There are plenty of scripture passages in the Bible that talk about if you want to inherit the kingdom of God, these are the things you should put on. These are the good things you should do. These are the things that you clothe yourselves with. That being filled with the Holy Spirit, with with faithfulness, goodness, goodness, gentleness, kindness, self-control, all all the attributes of the Holy Spirit being poured into our lives, that we we speak good things and we, we think about good things. We throw off the old sinful nature. All kinds of scripture verses that point to a difference between good things in the kingdom of God and what we should do as Christians and bad things, the immoralities that we should stay away, that we should throw off every sin that entangles us, that we should run the race with perseverance, that we should get rid of all the sin, that we should break the bondage of sin, that the old is dead and the new, new has come to life and all those things should be behind us. There's all kinds of stuff in the Bible that talks about the difference between good things and bad things, but not Matthew 25, 1-13. Not Matthew 25, 1-13 us understand as we look at this passage of scripture we don't have a difference between something that is is a person and a person who is not saved we don't have that kind of difference before us what i have in front of me is i have people who are wise and i have people who are foolish but jesus never says here is here's a group of five virgins that were that were wise and good and here's a group of five virgins that were foolish and bad and steeped in sin We're not given that image. And so with it, we have to dig a little bit deeper and get a little bit more understanding of what God is trying to say to us and say to the believers in in Him and to say to His church today through this passage of Scripture. When we choose the grace of God as a freebie ticket to heaven and ignore God's call in our lives to repentance and faithfulness, we're also ignoring God's grace. Our choice of unfaithfulness, deliberate sin, walking away from God throws us into deadly pitfalls. But today, I'm not going to deal with what's good and what's bad. I'm going to deal with 
with what is wise and what becomes foolish. And so to start, I'm only, fo- I'm only going to focus on two things this morning. And one of those things is what is the same in this passage? What do the, what do the wise virgins and the foolish virgins have in common? What is the same between them? I, wanna do, I do want to start one place and that's say today um, when we look around and we see other people and we listen to other people, you may hear everyone's the same. We're all the same. Many paths to God. We all just choose a different one. Everyone's good. Everyone's okay. You know, the, the morals of this person over here are no better than the morals of this person over here. The morals of this religion over here are no different than the morals of this religion over here. I beg to differ. I beg to differ. There are things between the morality of one religion over the morality of the other. There are differences between good and bad. But God does love us all the same. God's grace is still the same for us if we believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But today, we need to really go to where things are foolish and things are wise. So, they all took their lamps. Every one of them took a lamp. Everyone had a light shining. Right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. You know, let your light shine before men that, that others may see your good deeds. And may also praise our Heavenly Father. So all of this light, the Holy Spirit in our lives, at, at some point, the wise virgins and the, virgins and the foolish ones, they all had the light of God in them. They were all shining for God. They were all letting God be seen by other people around them. So in that way, they are very much the same, where they have, all have their light shining. And they all took their lights to go out and meet the bridegroom. So in another similarity, they all know a bridegroom is coming. They all know that one day Jesus Christ is coming back. They all know that one day that the trumpet will sound. They all know that something is going to happen one day. So they're all waiting for this grand wedding to happen. They're all hanging out at the bride's house. They're all hanging around at the church. Maybe they're showing up on Easter and Christmas or can't candlelight service you know this little light of mine I'm going to let it shine and, and they're, they're all at some point they all know Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior they're all glad that they were invited to the wedding again we're not talking about good and bad we're talking about those that were invited to the wedding they're glad they're invited you know it stinks for the people that aren't invited but they, they know that they're there the wise and the foolish and we're not creating a picture of the entire church but we have here a large sampling of the church who came to believe in God they knew that Jesus died for them they had some kind of confession of faith they were baptized they didn't miss a beat when it came to getting to know God and learn about God interesting question and I know my wife has experienced this as well do you know how many people I've met over the last five years that said I used to go to that church do you know how many people in this community that I've, I've met? The conversation always goes like this. Oh, you're the pastor at Green Spring? Oh, I used to go there when I was blah, 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 blah. And I get the whole story. And then, and then my question is, oh, and where do you go to church now? Oh, we don't go to church anywhere. Church anymore. You, you, you just gave up on church? So we, again, foolish, wise. Something happened along their lives. But at some point, they believed in God enough that they were coming to a church and they were believing in God. I'm going to skip down into verse 5. 
The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. Now, this is an interesting verse. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. Again, something that's the same for them. They're all waiting for the bridegroom. I, I can tell you personally, I think the bridegroom is way overdue in coming. The bridegroom being Jesus Christ. And we keep waiting for, for him to come and, and to bring all of this to a close. And personally, my perspective, Jesus is way too long in coming. He's running late. Now, if, you're, if you listen to Michael Youssef preach, he would say, an amen belongs here. Right? The bridegroom is way too long in coming. And then he would go, an amen belongs here. <laughs> but that's my, per- that's my personal feeling. My personal view of it just, come on, Jesus, what's, what's holding it up? Now, I do know what's holding it up. I do know what's holding him up. And it's because there's one more person that needs to be saved. I do know that. I do know that. But when that full complement of all believers, of everyone who will ever be saved, when that last person gets saved, I don't know what Sunday morning it will be, Wednesday night, sitting at the lunch counter at somebody's work, when that last person says, I believe, I trust Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, I know at that point, at that point, it will be the full complement of the kingdom of God. Every room will have been built and every soul will have been saved. And whatever that day is, I know, look out, the trumpet's going to sound, the heavens are going to open up, and our Lord and Savior is coming. And that's the day that's coming. So I, I personally say, Jesus, you're taking a little bit too long. And he said, a little bit more patience there, people. I still have more that need to be saved. And so we wait until that day. But I know that day is coming. And so I watch today where so many churches and so many Christians fall off the cliff when it comes to moral issues. I'm way past my limits on hearing, if I hear one more time, oh, we need to just love each other. My blood boils. He knows the day. He knows the hour. He's not late. He's coming on the right time. And I'll just trust that there's truly one more to be saved. But I do know, when the door of the ark slams shut, it's closed. When the door of the ark shuts, it's closed. And we're either inside or we're out. See, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. And that's the masses who use the phrase, I used to go to church, I used to believe that religious stuff, I just don't believe it anymore. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. It's the masses that are in church today and saying the Bible isn't the whole word of God. I have further revelation. Or the other way, there's things in the Bible we don't have to believe anymore because that was for them and this is today. And if God really knew what today was going to be like, he wouldn't have given us all that stuff. It's the masses who are sitting in the church and smile and say, God loves you. And outside of John 3.16, they can't tell me a Bible verse that tells me that God loves me. And so they all fell asleep. This parable would be so much easier. This parable would be so much easier if at this point Jesus said, and the, and the foolish ones fell asleep. And the wise ones stayed awake. It would have been so much easier. But that's not what God's word says. God's word says, the wise, the wise 
and the foolish fell asleep. They're all in the same group. This whole group of Christian believers, all, they all had somehow became lazy in their walk with God. This could be best thought of as the majority of the church just doesn't care anymore about godly things. They don't care if they're serving God. They don't care if they're ministering to other believers. And we fall away and fall asleep. This is where I see Jesus' warning in verse 13. Therefore keep watch, because you don't know the day or the hour. All ten of them asleep. All ten of them in a dangerous situation coming before them. When you walk away from where God wants you to be, you're only one step to falling asleep. Only one step away. Verse 6 comes around. This is still the things that are saying between them. In verse 6, at midnight the cry rang out. Here comes Jesus. Here's the bridegroom. He's coming. Here he is. 1 Corinthians 15, 52. In a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. In a flash, in a twinkling of the eye, boom, drop the mic, whatever thing you want to use, walk off the stage, it's all over. Jesus has come, the bridegroom has come, and the door of the ark is slammed shut. It's all over. And at the sound of the trumpet, there's no changing our mind. I wish we'd all been ready. Right? Two men walking up a hill. One disappears. The other left standing still. I wish we'd all been ready. They fell asleep. They fell asleep. All of them. Each and every one of them. Verse 7. All of them woke up. All of them trimmed their lamps. They all gathered what, what semblance of grace they had, whatever they had left. Let me trim my lamp. Let me make sure it's going to burn. They all did a quick inventory of where they're at and how their light was shining for God, however bright or dim. And they all worked at trimming it. Let me, let me make sure I'm, I'm, I'm ready because here comes Jesus. Let me make sure I'm ready. And half of them, half of them were without the Holy Spirit. Half of them had walked so far away from God that they didn't even know it. And the other half had barely enough oil left to fill their lights to make it to the wedding feast. So that's all the things that are the same. All the things that are the same before us. But there's so many things here that are different as well. We have some that are foolish and some that are wise. The foolish didn't take any oil with them, and the wise took oil in jars. Our light so shining before men become so much more powerful when lit with the Holy Spirit, when the power of God, the grace of God, not by our own power. The Holy Spirit enables us, empowers us, continues to give us our strength, and our strength fails and wanes away, and the Holy Spirit's strength just keeps coming and coming. The Holy Spirit fills and fills, while our strength is only so much and limited, and, and has limited supply. And at some point in their Christian walk, five of them realized we need the power of God and everything God has for us. And the other five walked away, needing nothing but their own power and their own strength. Five relied on the strength of God's graces, and five relied on nothing. 
but themselves. Five of them woke up to realize that their own ways had fallen short and their light was going out or was already gone. Give us some of, our, give us some of your oil. Our, our, ours is burning out. Ours is gone. I don't have enough oil to get to the wedding banquet. What I know is that what I have, I can't give you. On the day when that trumpet sounds, what I have, I can't give you. I can give it to you today. I can share the grace of God with you today. But when the trumpet sounds, it's too late. No matter what we have, we can't share. It almost seems cruel in our story that the, the wise virgins wouldn't share with the, the foolish ones. I mean, come on, let's, let's be Christian about this. Why wouldn't the wise virgins share with the foolish ones? I can tell you, if it's a hundred miles and you only have enough gasoline to get a hundred miles and there's two cars, you could split the gasoline but you're only both going to get 50 miles and you both can't get there. So they can't give away what they have because the Holy Spirit that's poured into their life was poured into their life. And they can't take that Holy Spirit and then just say, here, have some of my Holy Spirit. See, when they both fell asleep, when they both walked away from the graces of God, one had just enough in their tank. One had just enough. They walked away with some scripture verses memorized. They walked away with enough Christian friends to influence their lives, to keep them on the right path, and to keep them walking with God. But the other five walked away with nothing. Off on their own, to their own vices, their own direction. And they didn't have enough oil. They didn't have enough of the Holy Spirit. Enough of God's influence in their lives to keep them, to walk that last mile. And they gave up. You know, if your cell phone's dead and my cell phone's dead, and my backup battery only has enough to charge one of them to make one phone call, we can't charge them both half to make half phone calls. Only one of us are going to be able to make a phone call and say, phone home. So I can go home. And while it may seem cruel that they didn't share, the reality is they couldn't share what was, what was theirs not to share. What isn't there, isn't there to share. And with all ten virgins, they were all running on low tanks. They were all running on low tanks. They long ago walked away and fell asleep. They long ago walked away from daily filling up their tank with the Holy Spirit, allowing God to pour into them day after day after day. They long ago walked away from coming into the, the church and experiencing the graces of God and allowing God through the power of His Holy Spirit to fill them up in such a powerful way that they could walk away. They had long walked away from that. And again, one walked away with enough in a jar, enough in their tank, enough in their being, enough in their soul to hang on to God. And the others walked away completely empty. Goes back to Noah's Ark. When the doors closed, the doors closed. See, all of them, all of them waiting for that bridegroom. And the five went with the whole wedding party and went there for the great celebration to experience eternity 
the great wedding feast that we will have one day with our Lord and Savior. And so five of them went and they experienced it. And the, later the others came along and they said, Sir, sir, open the door. Let us in. We found some oil on the street. First of all, it's not God's oil. I don't know what they found. Black tar, I don't know. Something to light up a light. And they knocked on the door, let us in, let us in. And the bridegroom says, I'm sorry, I don't even know you. The door of the ark had closed. The door of the ark had closed. Such as it would be in the day of Noah. And God has to send them away because they did not know him. It goes back. When I think about um, Judges 1620, the story of Samson. The story of Samson is a cool story. Kids like the story of Samson only because they think about Samson being all big and bulky and you know, strong and he can lift up a whole gate of a city over his head and walk up a hill. But the disaster of Samson, Judges 1620, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. That's sad. That's sad. See, when they were all asleep, when they were all asleep, and the light was going, and the light was dimming, five of them didn't know that the Lord had left them. See, it's what happens when we walk away from the graces of God. It's what happens when we say, I'm going to do it my way. It's what happens when we say, I'm tired of this religious stuff. A bunch of stuffy old people. I'm tired of hearing about heaven and hell. I'm tired about hearing about righteousness and sin. I'm tired about hearing about all of those things. And I say, I, I would be better off just listening to, to TV on my radio or watching, listening to church on my radio or watching church on my TV. And we walk away from the graces of God and the graces of the church that are only there because of the church. And we find ourselves at a point where we go to knock on the door of heaven and God will say I tell you the truth I don't know you I don't know you another difference is one group we have on the inside of the kingdom of God in heaven for all eternity and the others on the out and the others on the out so what do we do with all of this verse 13 keep there watch therefore keep watch because you don't know the day or the hour don't turn your eyes away for any moment don't miss an opportunity to worship God don't miss an opportunity to allow the graces of God to soak into your life don't miss an opportunity to fellowship with other Christian believers who will strengthen you and empower you and equip you and to, and to spur you on towards righteousness don't miss those opportunities. I want to say that none of us have to be either of this group. We don't have to fall asleep. God doesn't call us to go take a nap spiritually. God calls us to be alert and to be awake. We need to continue to encourage each other. We continue to make sure that we don't get in the habit of not meeting together. And all the more as the day is approaching. Revelation 16.15 says, Look, I come as a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and remains clothed so as not to go naked and to be shamefully exposed. If I was a 10-year-old boy, I would have laughed at that scripture verse. Think about it. 
It's better to stay awake and to be fully clothed than to go to heaven naked. That's what Revelation 16.15 says. Picture it in your mind. If you don't laugh, I'll help unstuff your shirt later. It's funny. And Jesus said it. But he said, stay awake. Stay awake. Be alert. Scripture encourages, encourages us to be awake and to stay awake. And if we look around this room and if we look around this church, we need to look and say, here is someone who is let me help them get awake let me help them wake let me help them wake up so they don't have to be part of this parable call them up and wake them up make sure they have oil in their lamp make sure their light isn't going out help light a fire underneath them a fire for god we need to be careful in our lives to not let someone whose lamp has gone out or someone whose lamp is dimming to influence us where we walk down that same path and fall asleep like they are headed. We need to be careful with the people that we are dating and thinking about dating. Be careful. You need to think about your friends at school. Be careful. Your co-workers. Be careful. Your parents, your spouse, your children. Be careful. Your Facebook friends. Be careful. Everyone around us means well. Everyone wants to encourage us. Be careful. They're not encouraging you to go to some direction where you fall asleep. Stay awake. Stay awake. Allow the Holy Spirit to pour into your life every single day. And don't miss an opportunity to worship God. Only the Holy Spirit of God filling us and keeping us is the right answer. Stay awake. I, I'm saying this morning, as a Christian, you can avoid this parable by staying awake. Our enemy, our enemy rushes around like a roaring lion, seeking, seeking whom he may devour. And that verse starts out with, be alert, be sober, be ready, stay awake. Because your enemy rushes around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. He'll devour you and put you to sleep. He'll sing the most beautiful lullaby of how wonderful it is. Man, I could be playing golf on a Sunday morning. Did you ever hear that parable about the pastor who skipped church on a Sunday morning to go play golf? Oh, it's a great story. I've got to tell it. It just came to my head, so that means God says tell it. pastor goes out. He calls up the, he calls up the boy. He says, I'm really sick. I'm sick this morning. I can't, I can't come to church. It's a beautiful day. 65 degrees. Sun is shining. He's headed to the golf course. Calls in sick for church. And he gets to the golf course and God's looking down on him and Jesus says to his father, he says, he's skipping church. He lied to the board. Man, we got to do something. And the father says, give him a hole in one. What do you mean give him a hole in one? He skipped church. Give him a hole in one. So he, hole in one on the first shot. And I'm telling you, the whole day, all 18 holes, everything he puts up there, just perfect, perfect game of golf. And she said, why do you keep doing this? Why do you keep doing this? He said, who's he going to tell? <laughs> who's he going to tell? I can tell you, on a Sunday morning, 
Don't let golf pull you away. Don't let a cup of coffee pull you away. Maybe I should have skipped that story. <laughs> I can tell you, there's all kinds of wonderful things to do. Don't let an amusement park pull you away. A birthday party. Allow the graces of God to keep pouring into your life. When you find yourself on a path where you're starting to fall asleep, pinch yourself real hard. Pinch yourself and wake yourself up. And say, Lord, draw me back to you. Fill me again. Renew me. Pour your Holy Spirit into my life. Bring me back to your altar. Bring me back to a place of confession. Bring me back to a place of trusting in you and you alone. Our lamps are trimmed and burning. Our robes are white and clean. We've tarried for the bridegroom. Oh, may we enter in. Oh, may we enter in. Let's make sure we have oil in our lamp this morning. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I want to first ask if any of us here this morning do not know you as Lord and Savior, do not have a faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, may this be the day of salvation where we place our trust in you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for filling us. We thank you, Heavenly Father, for your Holy Spirit that you've poured into our lives. Lord, help us not, not to walk away with a jar of oil. I don't want to walk away with a jar of oil and fall asleep, Lord. May that be each of our prayer this morning, that we're not, we're not saying, well, time to give up, but I got my jar of oil. No, Lord, help us to have a desire in our hearts to stay awake, to trust in you fully, to find ourselves coming back to you over and over, allowing you to pour into our lives. Oh, we praise you, Lord, for the Holy Spirit who equips us. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for the Holy Spirit who dwells within us. May we find your strength each and every day. Lord, I pray for those that we know that have fallen asleep. We can go down our list in our heads. I lift them up to you, Lord. Wake them up. Wake them up this morning, Lord. May we be a force in their lives, waking them up. Lord, pinch them hard. Wake them up. We need your church firing in all cylinders. We don't desire that any would be lost. So I ask that you wake them up. Thank you, Lord, for continuing to be with us. I thank you for your love that shines into our life at difficult times as, as the world fights this virus. I have no idea what to do and trusting in the wisdom of men and Lord and no idea what to do. So Lord, I ask for your wisdom that pours out in what we should do how as a church we should 
cry out to you in repentance, to find our way back to you and back to biblical truth. As a people of God, how we can stand and let our light shine before men and not be ashamed of it. And in the end, Lord, your will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we ask for your hedge of protection around us, for you to be, you to be able to keep us. And again, I ask for your peace in the lives of those who are impacted directly by this virus. And that they can rest in your peace on this day. Lord, you've been good to us. And we will continue to trust your goodness. Do a good work in us. We ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. So I have one quick announcement.